when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There's some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry DePoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. This is Colby Patnode, and I'm joined as always by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, are you ready for uh, take two? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we got like halfway through our, uh, our episode yesterday, and just the internet kept on going out on you. Yeah, yep. I'm hoping the problem is fixed. Um, to be fair, we probably could have soldiered on, and I would have had to try and splice together three different, uh, three or four different starting points and things like that. So uh, we just decided to skip, or uh, just just wait a day. Hopefully, the internet improves. Um, so far, so good, um, and. We actually, uh, it actually worked out well because now we have a brand new uh, Justice Sheffield start to talk about, um, yep. and also uh, Julio Jones went off again. But or Julio, Julio Jones, sorry, <laughs> Julio Julio Rodriguez went off again. Um, I mean, last I'm sure night. Julio Jones will go off plenty this oh, year, but <laughs> most certainly. But uh, I think the people listening to this really only care about uh, Julio Rodriguez, um, at least enough to uh, to log in to listen to our show. Um, but we'll start with Justin Sheffield, who uh, made his second start uh, with the Mariners uh, yesterday. It was against his former team, the New York Yankees. Uh, we've seen Sheffield for a couple starts. Nothing too spectacular um, in terms of numbers, but uh, I don't know. What did you think about she- What do you think about Sheffield so far um, in particular, or what did you think of him yesterday? Yeah, I think, uh, I think he was solid, um, stayed in and around the zone for the most part. You know, that's been his biggest problem has been command and and walking guys and everything he didn't have a single walk yesterday uh and really only made a few mistakes uh location wasn't entirely perfect especially with the slider early on um but you know unfortunately was going up against second third best offense in, in the league and uh you know, you can't make any mistakes against those guys, and he did make a couple mistakes, and they took full advantage of that. But uh, but overall, really, I, I think it was a solid, encouraging start. I'm not going to say he was fantastic, uh, but it was probably the best start that he's had of the, of the three, and uh, and it's a good step forward. Now, it's not going to get easier. Of course, he's going to go to uh, to Wrigley Field for his next start against the Cubs, um, but... I think to have this one under his belt and to take his lumps in that way uh, and to do so with some success, at least, uh, getting five strikeouts, he retired, what, I believe, eight in a row, nine in a row at one point um, against that lineup, and he was able to strike out Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge looking. Um, you know, those are things that you take away from that and, and feel fairly confident in. Right. Um, you know, I thought Sheffield yesterday was solid. Um, you know, obviously, the uh, the home run he gave up to Gary Sheffield that almost left the stadium. Um, that that was a bad pitch. Did you um, just say Gary Sheffield? Did I? Dang it, Gary Sanchez, <laughs> man alive. Um, 
I okay. Uh, I, I, can, I I can see how you could make that. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I mean, I guess it's, it's technically pos- better than Julio Jones. It's, uh, but it, it's it's possible that I'm just hearing stuff too. You never know. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's also possible I'm just an idiot. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, the home run he gave up to Gary Sanchez that almost left the stadium. Um, it was by far his worst pitch of the day. And uh, you're not going to get away with that against this lineup. Um, but I was overall encouraged. You know, uh, One of the things I liked is that he threw the changeup more. Um, Satcast has him throwing 10 changeups, and he only got one strike out of it. But uh, he showed it. Uh, it got hit hard. But again, he has to have that third pitch if he's going to make it through the lineup multiple times. Um, and if it's not the changeup, Seattle probably needs to teach him a cutter or something. Um, because the fastball slider is not going to do it. Um, although the slider was very good, he got nine swings and misses on 40 sliders. Um, you know, you're looking at, uh, he threw 40 sliders, uh, 30 of them were strikes. Uh, so it was, it was a really good pitch for him. Once again, the fastball, we saw him hit 95 a couple times, just like he did his first start, sat 92, 93, um, and, you know, he threw the fastball. He got, um, you know, 31, 42 pitches uh, with the fastball, 31 strikes. Uh, so, yeah, he was throwing strikes. It's just a matter of... Seven of those were swinging as well. Uh, the sli- uh, or was it the slide? Two. No. Two. Uh, okay. two, two swinging strikes on the uh, fastball, uh, nine on the, uh, on the slider. Uh, right. They did foul off eight fastballs. So... Um, it really wasn't uh, all that bad in terms of exit velocity on the fastball. Average exit velocity just under 90 miles an hour. Um, you know, the slider was 96.5, uh, but more swings and misses on that pitch. So the fastball-slider combo was working pretty well. So, mm-hmm. um, like I said, just about a third pitch in command with him. If he can get, um, if he can improve his command, he is at worst a high-leverage reliever. Um if he can add that third pitch and improve his command, then I still don't see anything that says he's not at least a number three starter. So um, overall, I was I was fairly encouraged. Yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully the hopefully the changeup comes. Uh, you know, used it a bit more uh, yesterday, not to a whole lot of success. Um, but we saw we did see the good changeup in spring training, if you remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's there at least. Yeah. So. We'll uh, we'll see how that turns out, and we'll see if he keeps on using it more. Uh, I believe he used it what twelve times yesterday. Uh, I have ten, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah either way, and, it was, and it was one, not a great pitch. Yeah, yeah, and he only got one strike on it. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, we'll see uh, how how that continues to develop. But I think overall, just for his confidence uh, from that perspective. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he got knocked around a little bit by, by Sanchez and and, and, um, and uh, Ford there with the with the two um, mishaps, which honestly, even the pitch to Ford is, is not a bad pitch. It's up that's, and in. That's a chintzy home run. That's what yeah. that is. I mean, that's, yeah. if there was ever a 2019 home run, that was it. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, that, that ball just rainbows itself over the right field wall. Uh, and really, even the pitch to, to Sanchez wasn't terrible. It was just he just, you know, Gary Sanchez is just a mammoth human being. And uh, 
Uh, you can't throw something that breaks middle in to yeah, Gary yeah. Sanchez. Yeah, um, but you know, overall, I I, I don't really. Um, I honestly, I thought that ball was more below his legs in my memory. I'm probably wrong though. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, he, um, overall though, I I I, I left. I came out of that fairly impressed. I wrote about it on the site, sotomojo.com. That's our plug. And, um, yeah, I, I really didn't feel any real negative feelings towards him. I, I, that was the most confident I felt about Justice out of his first three starts here. And really, uh, this year as a whole, um, I, I, I saw him make uh, a true improvement on certain things. Yeah. Uh, real, the interesting thing about the Mike Ford home run, by the way, I just looked it up. It didn't even qualify as a barrel. Um, yeah. 94.8 miles an hour. You have to hit it 95 miles an hour uh, for it to be considered a barrel uh, with a certain launch angle. 33 degree launch angle. That's not a barrel. Um, the pitch was up and in. Um, yeah. And he just got the bat head around on it. Expected batting average on a ball hit at that speed, that trajectory, and that distance. Uh, 260. So yeah. that was a very weak home run, but uh, it counts all the same. But overall, I was I was pretty happy with Justice. I think I think it's fine. Like I said, he wasn't great, yeah. um, but he was you know, solid against a good lineup second time out. So, um, but apparently, uh, saying that he was better than James Paxton is um, equivalent to saying I you did you know what with somebody's mother because. Uh, <laughs> That uh, that tweet that tweet really picked up some steam this morning. It wasn't I sent it sent it out yesterday, and it wasn't until this morning that uh, people decided to say something. But uh, Ty, you've been dealing with that most of the day, so let's start yeah, here. Do you I had think to go Sheffield? To war for you. <laughs> you didn't have to, but uh, do you think that uh, Sheffield was better than Paxson yesterday? Um, I think they. Let's was it at least think... debatable. Yeah, I think they had very two two very different games though. Um, really, because Paxton walked a ton of guys, but still, you know, came in on headers and made it t- difficult for for them to to do a whole lot in the strike zone and everything. And so, uh, but you know, his command wasn't there. Um, just missing a lot in that one inning. Um, or like kind of an inning and a half, it seemed there in the middle of the game, and they ended up pulling him afterwards. But um, yeah, I think you know. And then for Justice, it was more just you know going up against a great Yankees lineup that will take advantage of any and every opportunity that you give them. Um, and I think when you walk five guys, especially against a bad lineup, that's not good. Um, no. Yeah, from from Paxton's perspective, so. You know, and and to clear that up, that's that's not to say that James Paxton is a worse pitcher than Justice Sheffield or two. This isn't us overreacting and saying that Justice Sheffield is a better pitcher, you know, right? Because they because he kind of had a slightly better game. I've seen Hector Noesi go out there and have solid days. <laughs> that's not to say that you know, really, like I never have. I well against the Mariners, <laughs> he, he he gave up. He he had like a one run outing against the Mariners with the White Sox or something like that. So I've seen, you know, I've seen that. Baseball is just finicky like that. And so that, that it doesn't mean a whole lot in saying that. But on that day, particularly, Justice Seppel was better than James Paxson because 
you cannot block five guys <laughs> in right. a game and hope to succeed in, in modern day baseball. You can't do that. Uh, yeah. So, you know, my advice to Yankees fans is just you better hope that he doesn't do that in the postseason because a yeah. much better lineup is going to take full advantage of that. Mariners aren't a good team with a very um, weak lineup, really. You know, a lot of guys in there that, you know, Keon Broxton and Dylan Moore were in that lineup. D, D Gordon, who hasn't been great. And let's not. Tim Lopes was hitting yeah, Tim, lead off. Tim Lopes was hitting lead off. And, you know, Daniel Vogelback hasn't been good for what, two months now? Yeah. I mean, and, at least. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's just those two offenses, the Yankees and the Mariners, are not even the same in the same league. Well, technically, they are in the same league, but you know what I mean. They're just worlds apart. Uh, in talent, and um, yeah, there, there's no way to really compare the two, but to say that one succeeded against a much better lineup, and, or one had a better day because they succeeded more against a better lineup, is yeah, that's it's true. Obviously, he gave up the more you know more runs, but and uh, and Paxton only allowed the one hit. But really, when you compare talent level uh, against talent level, that's there's no question. Right. Paxton's one hit he gave up was a two run home run. Um, so yeah, you know, it just, you look at, you look at what Paxton did number numbers wise, um, 86 pitches, eight swinging strikes, swings and misses. Um, Sheffield had 11 with six, only six more pitches thrown. Um, you know, you just, I would say Paxton yesterday was effectively wild. Um, and he was, you know, like I said, he got bailed out a few times by some base running, uh, uh, caught stealings and whatnot. Um, which by the way, just side note, I didn't really have a problem with that. Um, you know, it scoring runs against Paxson in that bullpen is going to be, is going to be, you know, a problem even if they're off. Um, so I didn't really have a problem with them trying to force something to happen. Um, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, they got thrown out twice on the bases right in the middle of uh, Paxson's heavy struggle um, where he was yeah. just couldn't throw a strike. Um, so that that's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And I, if Paxson was pitching for the Mariners yesterday and Sheffield was pitching for the Yankees yesterday, the end result would have been the same. Yeah. I mean, look, I, just, I, I love James Paxson. Yeah, you know, I would never speak ill will of James Paxson. So, so really, uh, all I'm saying is the the truth is that you just can't do what he did in a game and say that that was better than the pitcher that went up against an all star team basically and struck out five and didn't walk any. And yeah, he got beat on a couple of home runs and a ball that beat the shift. Yep. You know that's and, and it wasn't even. Him who who gave up the fifth and final run, you know, Whistler got tagged for the two run bomb to to judge and everything. So, you know, really, if you you look at it, you know, Chef gave up, let's call it four and a half runs, and against a really amazing lineup, and one of those came on a on a ball that just was kind of a BS fluky home run. Yeah. I, you got to feel good about what he did. Obviously, you know, the pitch count got high and, and yep. you know, he wasn't as efficient as 
you would hope, but still against that lineup. I mean, that lineup is just unfair, and like half of their star players are on the uh, injured list still. Yeah, and that lineup is still amazing. Like it's just they, they, there's nothing you can really do, uh, especially when the Mariners are the uh, I believe in the standings right now the seventh worst team in baseball. Um, the Yankees right. are the legitimately could are, are World Series contenders and could legitimately win the World Series with fair ease. Yeah. With just how good they are and with the players that still aren't even on the team. <laughs> like I mean, you know, yeah, their their injured list is more talented than the Mariners uh active roster. John so. Carlos Stanton, Edwin Encarnacion, Luke Voigt, you know, Luis Severino. <laughs> like those that that that's a team that just I mean, really only Houston and and Los Angeles can compete with. Yep. It's one of those things you feel like you could just fast forward to late October and give us New York versus Houston best of seven. Um, And the winner gets to play the Dodgers. Um, Boy, could you imagine being the Dodgers and going to three consecutive World Series and losing all three? I I would still take it as a Mariners fan. (laughs) If I was a Mariners fan, I'd be thrilled. Um, But... uh, (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's that's got to be tough. But anyways, uh, yeah. So we both think Sheffield has shown a lot of promise. There's still a lot of work to do. But uh, once again, I'll keep saying it. He's 23 years old. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's not fully developed yet. We we know. Um, 23 years old in his third start against possible, quite possibly the future World Series winner. <laughs> yep. And by the way, his next start will come against the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. So yep. you know. Soft landings, baby. Soft landings. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, uh, so yeah, I'm actually I, I look forward to just Sheffield starts now. Uh, they're fun, and uh, you know, it just it's nice to see some uh, some young talent uh, at the big league level. Um, you know, whether or not Sheffield's going to be what we think he is, I don't know, but I certainly am not going to make that judgment af- off of what 15 innings this year um, because I'm not stupid. So. Uh, Anyways, let's jump over to another talented uh, young individual um, who we talked about this yesterday. Not that you guys would know that, but we're going to talk about it again today because it warrants discussion. Um, what the hell happened with Julio Rodriguez? I mean, <laughs> the dude just got swag. <laughs> was he five for five yesterday? Yeah, he was five for five yesterday with a triple, two doubles, and four RBIs. I mean, his his stat line right now um, in Modesto in twelve games. Yeah, I'm not even sure if this is updated. That's how insane this it, is. It, it, it is updated. Five eighty seven, six twenty, eight ninety one, eight ninety one's <laughs> the slugging, not the OPS. <laughs> um, so that's again, that's twelve games. Um, our former side expert, Will Stone, you guys can find him on Twitter. Uh, he put together a nice little list of uh, 19 year or 18 year olds who uh, played in the Cal League and what they did in their first uh, 12 games. Uh, some pretty serious names on that list, um, which, by the way, brings uh, Julio's uh, overall numbers this year. Uh, 79 games played, 25 doubles, four triples, 11 home runs, 65 RBI, uh, 337, 397, 550. Uh, across two levels there. And don't forget, he missed time with a wrist injury. Uh, 
I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like that'll, uh, like, saying that'll play is an understatement, a severe understatement. <laughs> I, I mean, like I said, I asked this question yesterday, and we were kind of agreed that the answer was no, but, I mean, is, is there a scenario that you can see where Julio Rodriguez jumps Jared Kelnick in our prospect ranks? Uh, I mean, okay, the last night isn't going to change my stance on this. I right. still think that uh, Jared is the better all-around player uh, just right. because of the the production he can give you uh, defensively and also on the base pass and everything. So I, I, I think... Uh, Kelnick and his, and his five tools will always be the top prospect in, in the Mariners system until he graduates. And then I would assume Julio would become de facto number one, but Julio honestly might not be far behind him in terms of reaching the MLB at this point. Uh, this is... I mean, this these last two weeks have been just utterly ridiculous. And he... I don't think he belongs in, in high eight anymore. I really think that it, they should strongly consider starting him in double A next year. Yeah. I mean, I, we'll see how, we'll see how he does in the Arizona fall league, of course. Right. Um, and that's going to be a big challenge for him. Yeah, um, the, the Arizona fall league this year is stacked. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of top prospects going this year. Um, and Julio will be the youngest guy there, um, which you know he's comfortable being the youngest guy at every level he's at. So, I think a, if you, I think if you do see him struggle a little bit in the Arizona Fall League, keep him in Modesto. But I think if he just dominates there as well, I, I mean, get, just see what he can do. You know, right? I, I, I don't think that the numbers are going to be all that important for Julio. Um, yeah. You just you want to make sure he's not chasing pitches. You know, when he's seeing these stud uh, prospects just a ton of top 100 ish guys going this year. You don't want to see him look overmatched. You want to see him, you know, look like he belongs there. Um, and that's, that's a win. Now, if he goes down there and he does what he's doing in Modesto, which he won't, um, or, you know, I, I say that, but it's Julio. So who knows? Um, but if he does that in the Arizona fall league, yeah, then I think we're talking strong possibility. He just goes to double a next year. Um, and at the very least, I think we now can have a reasonable discussion about Julio Rodriguez making his major league debut in 2020, um, as opposed That's to so uh, ridiculous to me. Because entering this year, we were like, yeah, you know, he'll probably make it like September of 2021, and then 2022 yeah. is when he'll really get kind of the everyday gig and all that. And now we're talking about him being up a year earlier. Um, yeah. Possibly yeah. a year and a half, really. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's insane I, to me. I mean, if if Julio has a good fall league and they jump him to double A next year and he goes out and he has a good, he crushes it for two months in double A, mm. there might not be a reason to send him to triple A. You just might call him up as a 19-year-old. Well, uh, more, more, more teams are doing that now. Uh, plus, right. you know, the Rainiers play in the PCL. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't see anything changing next year unless they change the ball so right. um yeah i just yeah i mean he said we're legitimately having conversations um you know and he's going to get a another look in spring training uh, probably a more extended look um he might actually get an invite to big league camp instead of just being a uh a minor league camp call up um 
I would expect Kelnick to do the same. And now, if you now Kelnick and uh, and uh, Rodriguez are going to be reunited. Uh, those guys have a really uh, interesting friendship. They're going to get to play together for about a month after the season. Um, and I mean, I think it's fair to say that those two guys are, you know, the future of the Seattle Mariners. I, I don't think that's an overstatement. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's insane what they, what both of them have been able to do. And, but I mean, these numbers make Kelnick look like you're just your average big leader. <laughs> like Julio is just, just destroying everything that he's seeing. Uh, did you see the gif of his third hit last night? And the, the catcher's, catchers, yeah, the catcher's reaction to that. I mean, it was a pretty solid pitch. It was like a fastball off the outside corner. Yeah, I mean, it was and a solid a, pitch. And that's a good, and that and that's a true testament to Julio. That yeah, and he just winds it right back up out. the middle. If, if you guys haven't seen it, I suggest you go to Mariners Miners on Twitter. Um, scroll down, you'll see it. Uh, the catcher. I mean, it's it's a solid pitch, and Julio just lines it up the middle for a single, and the catcher just looks up to the skies like, "What in the hell am I supposed to do with this guy?" Um, <laughs> And I'm sure that's a, I'm sure that's a feeling a lot of people in the uh, Cal League are are uh, feeling right now. I mean, <clears throat> imagine if Kelnick stayed. Imagine if they didn't call Kelnick to Double A, and these two guys are in Modesto. It's a nightmare. It it's is a true nightmare for Cal League pitchers. Insane. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we got a we got a good one there. So. Julio Rodriguez has 41 total bases in 50 plate appearances. <laughs> I mean, come that's on. Rid- that's ridiculous. I, yeah, I just, where, where are all these triples coming from? That's like he's, he's already got, part. what, four triples, three triples? He's yeah, got four. Uh, he's got four overall, but three of them have come at Modesto. Um, yeah. Again, where he's been for 12 uh, 12 games. Um, it's 13 career triples. That's, that's interesting. He had nine last year, um, mm. in the DSL. So, I mean, that's, I don't know anything about the DSL, but, uh, yeah, I, I know that he's not too happy with his, uh, 45 grade speed on MLB pipeline. Um, so I don't know, maybe he's got a vendetta or something that he's out to prove, but, uh, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think Julio, I mean, it's totally possible that next year, at some point, the Mariners are starting two. Uh, let's see, they're starting a twenty-year-old in center field and a nineteen-year-old in right field at some point last, and not and not having it be ridiculous. Uh, yeah. oh, it's it's fun to have prospects like this that you can dream on, and more than one. So uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's wow. <laughs> The Julio Jones fan club will reconvene next Wednesday. Um, make sure you guys uh, make sure you guys stop by. Um, yeah. Although next next Wednesday we maybe we'll talk maybe we'll talk Kalanick. Although we also may be talking September call ups. But there's always there's always room to talk Julio and Double A playoffs. We should talk about that um, that really cool broadcast that, oh, uh, yes. um, that they're if, doing next week. All right, if you guys haven't heard, um, Root Sports is going to broadcast. Game one of the uh, Arkansas Travelers playoff series. Um, I believe that's September 3rd, I want to say. 
yeah, whatever Wednesday it is. Right. Next Wednesday. Um, yeah, so it's next Wednesday. Um, they're going to be showing that game. It's the 4th. Um, okay. So, yeah, the 4th on Root Sports, right where you would normally watch the Mariners. You can watch the A team. Um, it is expected that um, the A team, you'll get to see Kelnick, Dunn, um, White, Lewis, Walton uh, in that game, along with a host of relievers like Sam Delaplane and Joey Gerber, Art Warren. Um, it's not really expected that any of those guys are going to be called up before uh, their playoff run ends. So this isn't one of those things where, you know, it's it's a good Arkansas team, but their top four guys all got called up. Um, they're going to let them stay down there and try to win that championship um, and call them up after. So you're going to get to see a lot of the Mariners top prospects. What did we say? There's like 17 of the top 30 or something in there. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really big chunk of them. Um, yeah. yeah. In our personal top 30, I don't know. Cause some of the relievers didn't make our top 30. Um, so that kind of screws with things a little bit, but they are a really stacked team. They, um, but they're, you know, they're going through a little bit of a slump, uh, offensively right now. Um, just haven't been able to put things together uh, a whole lot, but, um, I think that's also because they're kind of like, I've seen like in the lineup, like one day Evan White is resting another day, Kyle Lewis is resting. So maybe it's that, um, but yeah, um, they're really, really good and you'll get to see, quite a few guys who will probably get a uh, September call up. We know for sure that Justin Dunn and uh, Kyle Lewis are getting called up. Um, Seems likely. Yeah. I don't know that I, we know for sure, but uh, I mean, yeah, it's I widely mean, assumed. Yeah. Um, with, with, uh, with, well, I mean, Greg Johns and Ryan Divish have both reported right. that I mean, yeah. to expect them. Uh, Jerry DePoto on the wheelhouse said that uh, because Lewis and, and Dunn are rule five eligible for, or, for December. Out. Yeah, right. that they're going to get added. Uh, probably uh, someone like Donnie Walton could also yep. be in there. I uh, also, just real fast on that, I would not expect to see Justin Dunn uh, pitch for the Mariners in September. I think he'll get called up. I don't think he'll throw a pitch. Um, he's thrown quite a few innings in A already. Uh, and if they have a deep playoff run, is it really worth throwing him out on the mound for another you know, five innings, six innings? Um Probably not, but we'll see. I think you uh, could throw them out there for an inning. I mean, maybe you use them in the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, you kind of, you know, you have this scheduled, like, okay, you're going to pitch one inning on the 15th. Just use them as pitch. an opener. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll see how all that goes. What will be interesting to see is if, uh, if Arkansas starts Logan Gilbert or Justin Dunn um, in game one. Um, I, I think you'd probably give it to Dunn just because he's been there all year. Um, yeah. But uh, either way, that's going to be a fun broadcast. I highly recommend you guys check that out. I know I'll be watching it. Um, Did you see what Keith Law said about uh, Gilbert yesterday? Uh, was it that he thinks he's probably ready for the big leagues right now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did see that. Yeah. So if you guys didn't see that on Twitter, uh, somebody asked uh, Keith Law, uh, you know, a notorious um, dark cloud Um not not the most optimistic guy in the world when it comes to prospects, um, but that's okay. That's his job. Uh, somebody asked him on Twitter if uh, – do you remember the exact phrasing of the question, Ty? Uh, I don't have it in front of me. If he could see Logan Gilbert make the rotation by mid-2020. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, Keith Law said he's probably ready now, um, but the Mariners don't have any – there's no you know reason for the Mariners to put him in there yeah. uh, or rush him. I mean, but yeah, he, think, he's probably – Yeah, I think because of service time and everything next year, I think we'll see him in May. Right. I mean, I just – the reason you won't see him this year is you just don't want to – you know, again, he's throwing a lot of innings. This is his first, and I think people sometimes forget this. This is his first full season, or his first season at all of professional baseball. Yeah, he he did not play last year, um, yep. and right now that probably cost him a September call up. Um, but yeah, Logan Gilbert, at this point, if he doesn't make his debut next year, uh, I I would think that's because something's gone terribly wrong. So. Yep. Oh, yeah, and this brought up a point that we talked about yesterday before that recording got scrapped, was uh, what that may mean for George Kirby um, going forward. And, and, you know, because he's actually had some innings under his belt post-draft this year, and he'll go into next year in the same situation as Gilbert, I assume, starting in in West Virginia and working his way up. The, The guy hasn't walked anyone yet. Uh, right. which is just insane, even even at rookie innings. ball. Yeah, even at rookie ball. And so, the, you know, we might have to start talking about George Kirby as, as someone that, you know, could could rise pretty quickly here and maybe get himself into the rotation in 2021. Yeah. Um, by the way, it is worth pointing out um, on Gilbert is that he has struggled in double A relative to what he did at high A and uh, low A. Uh, for example, in Modesto in the Cal League, he was striking out 10.5 batters per nine, and in Arkansas, he's only striking out 10.1. Um, <laughs> you know, the whip has gone down. Oh wait, this is insane. Do you do you know what Julio or dang it? Do you know what Logan Gilbert's home run to or home run per nine is this year? Um, I don't know. It's probably super low. 0.4. Wow. Logan Gilbert has thrown 130 innings this year. He has given up six home runs. Um, he's walked 31. He struck out 160. Jesus. Yeah, he has a 0.911 whip. A, Wait, he has less strikeouts than LG Newsom, huh? I didn't know that. I thought yeah, he would be higher. Yeah, let's live in reality here, Ty. Um, <laughs> Logan Gilbert's probably... Logan Gilbert has a good shot to make the the starting rotation out of spring training. I don't think right. they'll do it. Yeah, uh, service time. Right. And also, you know, I, I still think there is some value to, just, you know, hey, let's slow this down a little bit. Um, but, yeah, service time is the big. Uh, but let him is, start a couple of games for sure during oh, he, spring training. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Uh, depending on what they do free agency and trade-wise, I don't think it's ridiculous that he could make the rotation out of spring training, similar to Chris Paddock. Um, but I do think it's highly unlikely, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of, seems like the Mariners kind of have a big three, um, you know, with Gilbert, uh, Julio and Kelnick. Um, and again, that's not even counting the good, but not great prospects, not like elite prospects, like, you know, Evan White, Justin Dunn, Justice Sheffield, um, you know, George, George Kirby, <laughs> George Kyle Kirby. Lewis, right. Yeah, I said this yesterday. I, I think we're probably too low on George Kirby. You, you guys will see where he's ranked when we come uh, when we get inside the top ten. Spoil, spoiler alert! Like it was surprising that uh, George Kirby was going to be in our top ten, but uh, we might be too low on him, man. He is he is something special there. So 
Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, there's, uh, I mean, he can locate really effectively, yeah. as we've learned, uh, and can throw 97. So, yeah, he's touched 97. Fastball is 92 to 94 usually with yeah. movement. And he can hit yeah. 97 miles an hour. He's got, yeah. he's got, uh, plus, uh, plus command, above average off speed stuff. Um, like I said, I don't think he's an ace, but I think he's probably the highest probability guy to be a number three that I've ever seen. So, yeah, um, he's right up there with Gilbert. Yeah, by the way, um, I was wrong. Um, in Everett this year, I don't know how updated this is again, um, but in Everett this year, George Kirby has pitched 23 innings. He has um, 25 strikeouts and zero walks. He, they can't even register a strikeout per walk ratio because he doesn't have a walk. Um, so, yeah, and that's kind of what you expect because if you guys remember, they drafted George Kirby out of uh, Elon, and in 88 innings at Elon, he walked six. <laughs> yeah, six. And he, has a, and he hasn't walked the guy since May, if you want to date all the way back, so... He hasn't by walked the, way, the guy in, what, five months? Yeah. By the way, also in the Cape Cod League, the Premier League uh, last uh, last summer, the Premier uh, College League, uh, he pitched. He only pitched 13 innings. He walked one while striking out 24. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, wow. The guy, the guy's something special. So, Yeah. Um, how he felt to pick number 20? Who knows? <laughs> But thanks. Good for yeah. I mean, it's it's looking like a steal. Um, you know, I guess thank God they didn't take Anthony Volpe. Um, no, and we were we were banging the table for him. Uh, I think I was a little bit more than you, but uh, for at Kirby? the time, yeah, for Kirby. But yeah, uh, yeah you know, it's, I'm just I'm glad we got him. <laughs> right like, when he was. Yeah. Uh, when we were on the clock at 20, he was the easy choice for me. And I was just, I was like, please don't take Volpe, please. And we had a little hope on Corbin Carroll. Yeah. And then once that idea went out the window, it was Kirby time. I, I think I had a little, a little bit more hope than you, um, uh, with Kirby or with, uh, with Carroll. Yeah. That's why my Kirby love wasn't quite as high, but, uh, you know, Jerry DePoto likes to trade and, you know, the diamondbacks maybe yeah, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, Anyways, guys, that's that's enough uh, roster uh, roster baiting to the 2022 team uh, projected 20 maybe 2021 even. Um, mm-hmm. But we do want to jump ahead, guys, and we do want to start talking a little bit about um, where the Mariners' needs are entering 2020. Um, and while we probably won't get into names in particular today, we do just want to kind of feel out. Hey, you know, this is where they could use some depth. This is where they can do a little bit of this. This is where they have question marks. Um, and so I think that's, I think, uh, we're just going to work our way around the diamond and just kind of discuss whether or not these are needs or wants or, uh, what have you. So, um, just, just a quick preview of what, and, uh, keep in mind, these are players who are currently on the roster or in the, in the system. Um, so this doesn't account for free agency or trades or anything like that. That is obviously going to change things, but, uh, let's, let's start with the catcher position. Um, I mean, it feels like the Mariners have the catching position pretty well set, yeah. um, barring a trade. Um, but even if they, tra- let's say they trade Omar Narvaez, I mean, are you comfortable going into 2020 uh, with uh, Tom Murphy and Aaron Nola or Austin Nola as yeah. the catchers? 
Yeah, very much so. <laughs> right. Um, and, Tom Murphy's been one of the best defensive catchers in baseball yeah. this year. Uh, I think he's number one in frame data. Um, or framing metrics. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, really, you know, and I, by the way, uh, just real quick, I would love if Tom Murphy caught every single one of Justice Sheffield's games from here on out. I think that's a great pair. Uh, and I think uh, Murphy just helps him a bit more because, you know, Sheffield likes to pick up the corners and everything. And he's just better at framing uh, than Narvaez. Much better. World's better. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I think with Murphy and then, you know, I I don't remember clearly, but I think when, when Nola was signed um, on his minor league deal, the thing that I heard was that he was pretty solid defensively, especially as a catcher, but it was the bat that was uh, lingering behind. Um, so, and I, and I think he had a pretty good year in Tacoma as a catcher. So uh, we've seen him, what, for nine innings this year behind the plate? <clears throat> yeah, I don't even remember when they were. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was probably a game I didn't even watch. Um, so, but yeah, I think, Really, I, I feel comfortable with both of those, and you got to think that at some point next year, Cal Ra- Cal Raleigh might make his debut. Um, so I think you have three catchers there that you should feel pretty solid about. Um, obviously, I think if you're going to trade a guy, um, it might be Murphy, uh, just because of um, his defensive value and everything. That might he might just. Oh my God! There's iMessage in the background, but he <laughs> might give you, uh, or you might have the most interest on the market than Narvaez, even though Narvaez is the clearly better hitter, uh, just because of where their defense is at, is at in their careers. Um, so we'll see how that how that goes and how the market um, shifts for both of them. And uh, I would, you know, I don't know about you, but I would even be fine if they traded both. Uh, Narvaez and Murphy. Yeah. Um, I would trade depending, obviously depending on the packages that they were offered. Right. Um, I wouldn't trade both unless, you know, obviously I was blown away. Um, but yeah, I feel like either one of those is my starter is fine. Um, Nola is the backup. It's just fine for me. Um, so this off season, if they're going to add to the catching position, it'd probably be something small, like the, uh, Jose Lobaton types, um, just kind of sign the depth. Uh, but I, I don't think catcher is going to be a very big need um, at all. They're not, they're not going to go get Yasmani Grandal. Um, so, yeah. uh, Nor they're, they're, no. Yeah. So yeah, they they should uh, they should uh, focus their assets elsewhere. Um, but I, I do think one of Narvaez or Murphy gets traded, um, unless of course, and we'll talk about this right now, they see Narvaez as a potential first base option. Because I don't know about you, Ty, but Ooh. when I look at first base, I kind of say this is probably an area where they should spend some resources, at least in the short term, um, <clears throat> while they wait for Evan White to kind of finish or uh, you know continue his development. So, um, what do you think about first base going into next year? Um, as for Narvaez playing first base, just first base know. in general. Okay. Uh, well, because right uh, now. It's- Basically, Vogelback is the only one on the roster. Yeah, it's basically Vogelback and, and Nola. Nola and Nola yeah. taking up a lot of the innings. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I, I think it doesn't become as much of a problem if you do end up keeping Narvaez and Murphy going into next year because Nola will just 
play most of the innings like he has been now. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I would love to see them um, add something there. I still think that Evan White is one of those guys that could be traded in a deal to yeah. get a major leaguer. Yeah. Um, so I'm not fully certain about uh, Evan White's future in the Mariners organization and, and his future for, uh, you know, on the MLB team. Um, yeah, I, oh. I would, I would Sorry. like to see them add that first base depending on the situation. Right. And the circumstances. Um, yeah. I, I think if you're running out, Daniel Vogelback is your primary first baseman next year. It's not the worst thing in the world. Um, no. He's, you know, he's he's okay over there. Um, you know, it's been really hard to watch the last couple months because he's just been flat out bad. Um, but, I, you know, I think you give him, if it, if the Mariners see Vogel back as part of their future, um, then I don't see an issue with letting him start at first base most of the time. Um, and again, if you keep Narvaez and maybe you ask him to pick up first base a little bit, and obviously Nola can play it as well. Um but uh, I do want to see them address the first base position in some manner. Um, maybe it's asking Narvaez to work out at first base. Maybe it's asking Domingo Santana. Maybe it's a, a small trade, or maybe it's a one-year signing. Um, yeah, and, I think uh, next year you don't really have to figure out who your first base on the baseman of the future is. But there are a lot of solid veterans that are going to hit the free agent market. That Justin Smoke. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, guys who maybe you could get some value out of, and maybe some trade value out of. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman's another guy that you could yep. probably get on a minor league contract next year um, and see if he can make the team. Eric Thames is probably going to get his club option denied. Um, yep. I mean, uh, I think Mitch Moreland also hits free agency. And um, who else? Here, let me look at Spot Track. Um, Steve Pierce is also out there. I mean, he's been pretty solid. Um, World Series MVP last year. Um, so I mean, there's there's like veterans that you can you can get on a, on one year cheap deals that maybe they can produce for you. Maybe you can trade them down the line by the time that Evan White is ready to play uh, if he's still with the team. So that's always an option. Um, Nola's an option. I I think that they're not short of options at least of no. what they can do there. Uh, short of positive options too, you know, not just kind of ignoring it and running whatever out there. I think they have plenty of backup plans or contingencies that they can put in place in case um, things don't go well with whatever they decide to do at at, at the uh, jump of the season. Yeah. Um, so first base for me is a place where I would like to see them add a veteran of some kind. Um, and again, you know, you're not in 2020 this this winter. I don't think you're shopping for necessarily uh for pieces that are going to help you win you know big in 2020 i think you're look but you're looking for a little bit more than placeholders you're looking for somebody who raises the floor of your team a little bit mm, yeah uh, and again for me that justin smoke makes all the sense in the world he's coming off a down year but still pretty good um if you look at on base percentage and all that um <clears throat> you know like i said he's probably only going to get a one-year deal it's probably going to be pretty cheap uh we saw logan morrison come off of what 30 home run season or and uh, not get any nibbles whatsoever. Um, so, I mean, yeah, first basemans, they tend, they tend to be cheap in free agency because there's just so many available. So getting one of those guys to come in and just kind of handle the position for, you know, you assume a year, you just, you know, you don't want to just say, Oh yeah, Evan white will be up in, you know, June. 
Um, you just want to allow for that possibility that if it doesn't happen or if you end up trading Evan White in the middle of the year or whatever, then you know you, you have somebody who can at least handle that position every day and not kill you. Yeah. Um, so let's let's jump over to second base. Um, for me, this one's pretty easy. As long as D Gordon's on the team, he's your second baseman. Yeah. Um, especially with only one year left on that contract now. Then, yeah. uh, if you can trade Gordon either this winter or sometime next season, then it's Shed Long, it's you know Tim Lopes or Austin Nola if you have to. I don't really yeah. see second base as a huge area of need this offseason. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that they could add a um, middle infielder, uh, perhaps to um, you know a veteran that could play a couple positions. I mean, they kind of already have that in Austin Nola, but if you view Nola as your first baseman or your backup catcher primarily right. uh, next year. Um, obviously, that'll limit how yeah. often you can play him elsewhere. So. Yeah, so, I mean, someone like Brock Holt could maybe, maybe do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it also depends on the health of Shed Long and um, and just overall, you know, who, who else they, they may add uh, <laughs> right. towards the but, end there. I mean, you still have Donnie Walton in the minors. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, assuming they add him to the forty man, or he doesn't get drafted, so I just I think there's plenty of options at second base. There's nobody in free agency, um, at least in my mind. That you know, at second base, you're like, oh, that that would be good, um, or that would be an obvious upgrade. Um, you know, Scooter Jeanette, yeah. kind of interesting as a buy low, but I just think that you're good at second base um, for now, at least entering 2020. So it's not that big of a deal to me. Um, now, if they trade D. Gordon and they trade Shed Long, then yeah, um, second base becomes a an issue. Or even if they just trade D. Gordon, then you're probably looking for another utility type of guy. But uh, I kind of like Tim Lopes. Um, I'm kind of digging him. So um, it is second base to me. It's D. Gordon for as long as you have him, and then it's Shed Long after that. Um, <clears throat> and then after that, it's probably Donnie Walton or Tim Lopes or even Dylan Moore. So I just don't see second base is that yeah. big of a, if you do get a, if you do get a veteran, make sure you can play multiple positions, not just right. second. Uh, make sure, you know, cause look what the blue Jays were able to do with Eric Sogard this year. Yep. And exactly. they were able, and they were able to trade him. Um, those are the kinds of uh, guys that you look at. Sogard is actually going to be a free agent next year. So maybe that's an option. Yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned Brock Holt who's having a really good year this year. Yep. Um, you know, someone like Wilmer Flores could make some sense, and he can also play first base. Yeah. Um, so we'll uh, we'll see what they want to do, uh, and we'll see how things shake out. But it really, you know, like you said, it depends on D. Though I could still see them add uh, a veteran that can play second um, and some other first positions. Maybe, right? Yeah, and we'll see what you know what happens with Donnie Walton. I mentioned that he could sure. be one of those guys that comes up since he's both five so. eligible. Yeah, I also we're you know both of both of us are really big Donnie Walton guys, so um, hoping he gets an opportunity with the Mariners. Uh, he certainly earned it uh, down in Arkansas this year. Yes. Uh, so let's jump over to shortstop uh, again. Similar to second base, that's J.P. Crawford. Um, that's his job, and there's really not a reason to bring in a um, a pure shortstop. Um, you know just for the heck of it. There's nobody that's going to turn you into a contender in 2020. So you just give that spot to JP Crawford and then whether it's Lopes or more, whoever's your utility guy, he cleans up the rest. Um, So yeah, shortstop to me, it's it's just Crawford and then whoever your utility guy is. 
Yeah, same thing I said about second base applies to this. Yeah. Uh, same thing could be said for third, right? Kyle Seager's your guy until he's not here. Yeah, and I even with the good year that he's putting on right now, I, I still don't think there's any way that they trade him for uh, more than pennies on the dollar uh, this this offseason just because of his contract. But if he has another really good year next year, right. we can start talking about that. I think, yeah, next June, July is the first time you could realistically start talking about a Kyle Seager trade. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me, really the only – the only area where I would see them add um, a veteran uh, of significant or of some impact would be first base. I think they're pretty well set everywhere else. Um, it's not like they can't. It's not like they can't get better in those areas. It just based on the resource and all that stuff. You're probably it is what it is. I mean that's that's what you're rolling with. Right. Um, so let's let's move to the outfield. This is where things get a bit muddy. Um, right now you have Malik Smith, Jake Fraley. Uh, Keon Broxton, Mitch Haniger, Domingo Santana, Braden Bishop. Uh, Kyle Lewis is going to be up this year. Uh, I don't think he'll factor in early in 2020, but you never know. Um, you know, so that's a lot of outfielders there. I mean, I see one, two, three, four, five, six guys legitimately competing for playing time next year. Yeah. Right, Smith, yeah. Fraley, Bishop, Santana. Um, oh wait, I said Bishop. Uh, Haniger. Okay, so there's five. Yeah. <clears throat> so it seems like they have five guys for three spots, but uh, I don't know. What What do you think? Is this a spot where maybe it makes sense to go out and look for a uh, an outfielder this off season? Um, I I think you should always be listening and and keeping your ear to the ground. Uh, I don't think that they have to bend over backwards to to go get a guy but uh if they can add uh, a veteran that that can perform uh, that they believe will perform at an average rate and maybe build some trade value sure but don't just get a guy to get a guy and fill a spot until you know uh make sure it has some sort of impact whether that's you know well obviously it would have to be on the field if it impacts the trade value but you know, uh, you know, someone that may could, you know, someone that possibly could be like your version of Hunter Pence was to the Rangers this year. So, yeah. you know, yeah. something like that, some guy that you think could bust like that, that has had uh, success in the past, maybe coming off of an injury or a bad year. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who specifically kind of fits that. Maybe someone like Adam Jones. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. Hunter Pence himself. <laughs> yeah, Hunter Pence. Yeah, yeah uh, the crappy baseball player John Jay, I guess. Um, Jesus. Uh, Nick Castellanos. I can't believe you people uh, defend Deadspin. <laughs> Avisel Garcia. Of course, you guys know how much I love Yaseel Puig. Um, and that could yeah. still make sense if the Mariners trade at least one or two of these guys and i think it's possible um i mean if we get puig we'll definitely be in that brawl that i wanted us to be in for yes. a while <laughs> that's the, that's the whole reason you bring them in yeah. um but yeah i mean because we right now we have to assume uh mitch hanniger hasn't signed an extension yet mm-hmm. at this point i'm assuming that's because he doesn't want to uh i don't have any knowledge of that whatsoever so please do not quote me on that but 
I think the Mariners have been interested. I think they've approached him based on what I know, which is again, granted is very little. Um, and he just hasn't really engaged. So I don't know if Mitch Haniger wants to be here long-term. Um, and if he doesn't, then you probably really need to explore trading him. Um, you know, Malik Smith is a guy who's probably going to have some value still. Um, although he hasn't been very good this year. Uh, and obviously guys like Fraley and Bishop, they're going to be, uh, they could potentially be used for, uh, to acquire, you know, a veteran elsewhere. Um, I think I, I should say this because I, I kind of noticed this when, uh, when Jerry was on with Brian Kenny, who was, uh, filling in on, um, on one of the shows on MLB network. And he, he was interviewing, uh, DePoto and asking him about Mitch Haniger and kind of, um, about his trade value or, you know, how he, uh, how they had some offers or whatever last year on, on Mitch and Jerry's kind of basically publicly said that they, that he kind of is going to be looking to trade him. Uh, he said the biggest key is to get him back on the field, but you know, he said that thing that he does where he's like, well, you got to listen to any and all offers. I think that's kind of, I think that says something when he publicly doesn't, you know, commit to Mitch. Right. Um, I mean, last year, though, in the offseason, he did say, you know, Mitch is our guy. We want to build around yeah. him. And yeah. he Mitch still and did. Yeah. Right? And he still did listen on him. Um, yeah. So I guess the fact that he's actually coming out and saying, well, we're definitely going to listen on anything instead of, you know, publicly saying, I guess maybe that points to something. Yeah. Um, it might ultimately it might make sense to just have Mitch Haniger next year at least at the beginning, and then try and trade him in June and July. Because um, yeah. I don't think his value is going to be hurt uh, more because, <clears throat> I mean, in theory, he has two two or three less months of club control, but his value is pretty low right now. So I think it's, you know, I think teams would probably be more willing to give you something good um, this offseason. But I would say Mitch Haniger, um, for me right now, on August 29th, um, I would say... 45, 50% chance he gets traded. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right to you? Uh, yeah. I, I think, I, I, I feel like he, that it's actually fairly likely that he gets traded, but I hope oh. that they don't because of the, uh, because of just the injury and everything and how that may have brought right. down his value. I, I, I would hope to see him at least get back on the field and yep. perform next year to hopefully regain some of that value and, he would be a, an extremely hot commodity next June or next July. Well, we assume, but uh, we also heard that uh, the Mitch Haniger market this off season just never really materialized. Um, yeah. It sounded like the only team that was significant had significant interest was Atlanta, and Atlanta wasn't willing to part with any of their top five or six prospects. So, if the Mariners wanted to trade him last off season, they would have had to do so for fifty cents on the dollar. That just was never going to happen. Um, so yeah, I think they'll shop him. Um, I don't know if teams will be interested or not again, if it's the same as last year, um, then you probably, probably better just to hold him, but, uh, we'll see. I think I, my gut still says Hanager is here on opening day next year, but I hope so. I think it would be a poor move to, to trade him this winter, unless a team blows you away. Of course. We'll see. You never know. But uh, and then obviously Domingo Santana is a guy that it sounds like they wanted to trade this uh, summer. Um, unfortunately, the elbow injury just derailed any of that possibility. So maybe they try again this winter. 
We also talked about Santana possibly being a first base option. Um, yep. So I, I think Santana's probably the most likely to be traded. Um, then I would probably put Hanniger second, and then I would put Malik Smith third. Um, so, I mean, we'll see how all that shapes out, but and obviously the trades and whatnot will be important towards determining whether or not they go after, you know, the number of available outfielders. But uh, we'll see. The outfield is a really interesting situation. I'm sure it's one that we'll discuss all offseason. I'm sure it's one we'll have to navigate through our offseason simulation and our offseason plan. Um, so that'll be, that'll be interesting. That'll be really fun to see how that plays out. Um, DH-wise, just, I mean... If you acquire a first baseman, you just give the job to Daniel Fogelback for most of the year, right? And then just kind of fill in that spot, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. All right. So I think probably the easiest posi- easiest position group to pin as a need is probably starting pitching. I mean, right. next year you'll have Marco Gonzalez, Yusei Kikuchi, maybe Justice Sheffield. <laughs> As locks, um, yeah, I would I would assume so. Yes, Felix Hernandez is going to be a free agent. Tommy Malone's going to be a free agent. Wade LeBlanc is option is probably not going to get picked up. We hope. Um, and then after that, you're talking about just you know Sheffield, Swanson, Dunn. You're talking about prospects. So uh, I I think they need to bring in a good uh, veteran starting pitcher. Um, and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they brought in a few uh, you know. Um, bounce back candidate. So, I don't. Yeah. Wh- what do you think about the starting pitching there? Well, let me ask you this question real quick. Um, <laughs> now, neither I, I know what the likeliest option is here, uh, but do you think one of Gilbert or Dunn makes the rotation next year? Just knowing what you know now, off of, out of spring training, out of spring training. No, I don't. Yeah. Um, so with yeah, just, that, then you got to fill two holes right. with veterans right now. One guy that I, I absolutely love is Alex Wood. I don't know how likely that is that that would happen, uh, but I love Alex Wood, and I think that would be an insane addition to this rotation. Poor man, um, James Tax. Yeah. Um, you know, someone like uh, like Kyle Gibson would be yep. fantastic. Um, Jake really, Rizzi. There's a there's a lot of options here that they could take advantage of. Uh, of uh, you like uh, Chessine, uh from the the Brewers who just got released actually, so he's a free agent. They can go out and get him now if they want. Um, not like they should, but <laughs> but yeah, that's a, you know that's kind of a guy that they could get on a minor league deal. Uh, let him compete in spring training. I, I think they'll give a couple minor league deals. Clay Buckles oh, is another yeah. guy that I would like to see them maybe give a minor league deal to. Uh, Ellison, Rich Hill. Yeah. Uh, Rich Hill would be uh, really cool. Um, That's a one year. Yeah. Yvonne yeah. Nova, Matt Moore, yeah. uh, Tyson Ross. There's plenty. Drew Smiley. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at this and I go, I think the Mariners almost have to add one of the Wheeler, Wood, Waka, um, Pineda, Oda Rizzi, um, 
you know, somebody from that grouping, uh, even Gibson, I might throw in there. Uh, I think they have to add somebody like that uh, to kind of fit into the middle of their rotation. Wow, Ryu is going to be a free agent next year. After uh, Cy Young year, that dude's going to make me bank. And it won't be here, so... Yeah, it won't be here. Just, no, but, yeah, yeah Wood, uh, as you mentioned earlier, too. Um, I just, I feel like they need a kind of a number three-ish type of starter. Um, and somebody who could, you know, stabilize the middle while you wait for your, you know, you wait for Don and Justice and Logan and kind of see how that shapes out. Um, so I think they need one of those guys, and I think you're right. They also need a kind of a, you know... A, a few minor league guys, uh, you know, coming off of, you know, down years or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. So I would like to see them add. And, you know, we're not even talking about guys. These are just free agents. We're not even talking about guys who are available via trade. Uh, but, yeah, I think they need to add a pretty significant starting pitcher at least yeah. uh, this offseason. So. Uh, and free agency is pretty stacked with starting pitching this year. Not bad. Um, uh, and we'll and we'll we'll see uh, we'll see how that affects the trade market for starting pitchers yeah. this year as well, um, because those things kind of just go hand in hand. And with the way that the free agent market has been over the last couple of years, you might be able to get one of these guys on a pretty team friendly deal. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what what comes of that. But yeah, I think uh, I think they have plenty of options at their at, uh, at in their hands right now, and we'll we'll see how they. Uh, what they decide to do, but I, I think I'm with you there on uh, getting at least one of these above average veteran types, and then um, right. trying to fill out the rest of your rotation with one of the uh, minor league uh, signings. And right. there's quite a few uh, guys out there that could have a solid bounce back year on a on a minor league deal, depending on what they want to do. Rich Hill, you know, um, could be one of those guys. Right. Um, so we'll wrap this up with the bullpen. Um, I think we're both in agreement. Obviously they need to add to the bullpen. Um, but I don't think they necessarily need to add a big expensive. And they have a lot of arms that are pretty close to the big leagues. So they're, they're, they're not, uh, low on options. Right. I, I don't think you're going to see. I mean, there's really not that many big name relievers out there, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dylan Dylan Batances is probably the biggest name. Uh, that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. You know, Greg Holland's not any good anymore. Kenley Jansen probably not going to opt out of his two years, yeah. thirty-eight million dollar contract. Um, just a bunch of you know, good solid Chris Martin, Colin McHugh, who we've talked about. Um, yeah, you know, just kind of a lot of. Sixth, seventh, eighth inning type of guys available this winter, um, and I think adding one or two of those types is is fair. And I mean, Chapman probably is going to be the biggest name available, um, but he if just he he if he opts out, yeah, yeah. I just I don't see really any need to go out and sign a big money free agent reliever, yeah, uh, or trade for one. Yeah, the one guy that I would like to see them uh, bring in is a guy that's technically in there. Um, organization right now uh roadies uh Um yep. because that guy went healthy he's really solid and they've had him in house while he's been rehabbing from his injury and everything so they've had an eye on him and i think if everything checks out for them i, I would love to see them bring him back yeah i mean if, if they this offseason i'm just throwing this out there if they go out and they sign 
Vizcano, um, Sergio Romo, and Tony Singrani. I mean, that's that's more than enough for me. Yeah. Um, like you said, they, they have a ton of guys. Uh, we've seen Reggie McLean, uh, Taylor Gilbo, Gerson Bautista, uh, Brandon Brennan, Austin Adams, Dan Altavilla. They're still all hurt. Connor Sadzik. Um, I like what I've seen from Matt McGill. I think Anthony Bass is a free agent. Um, he's been pretty good lately. Um, Matt Whistler, really nice find there. You'll probably uh, see Art Warren before the season ends. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, mean, I think Sam Dela, Sam Dela playing Joe yeah. Gerber, uh, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't see spending big money on your bullpen. Um, you know, you go out and you find try and find yourself another Hunter Strickland. Um, you know, you go and you try and find yourself another Rowan Elias. But uh, in terms of spending big money on, you know, I don't, like I said, Dylan Betances, that just doesn't make any sense for me. Yeah, yeah I don't I don't think that they need to swing for the fences here in the re- relief market this year. Um, yeah, well, I think once more of their money gets freed up in 2021 and the likelihood of them competing becomes greater, hopefully, um, then that's when they they make a move like that. But uh, right now, I just I don't see how that would benefit them in any way. The elite bullpen ad is the cherry on top of the Sunday that you've built over years. Um, so I think we're still at least a year away, probably closer to two on that. But uh, I think that's where we're at. So um, Mariners twenty heading into twenty twenty. You know, before any trades have been made or anything like that. Um, looks like we've kind of identified first base um, and starting pitching as the biggest areas where they should probably spend some money. Um, and obviously, we're going to have to wait and see how the outfield shakes up. Um, but yeah, it seems like starting pitching is the big, um, the big area of need. Uh, and you know, it's it's tempting to just say, well, just you know, sign Tommy Malone. And, Whatever we're just waiting for Dunn and uh, Sheffield and Gilbert. Uh, that's that's never going to happen. Uh, that's that's not a good strategy either. Um, you know, because there's pretty good odds that at least one of those guys ends up in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a better than I don't know 15, 20 percent chance that both Dunn and Sheffield end up in the bullpen. And if that's the case, then all of a sudden you're waiting on, what, George Kirby, and you're still an arm short. Um, and that's assuming you say Kikuchi bounces back next year like we think he will. Uh, you need to add starting pitcher, starting pitching now. Um, because what's the worst thing you have? You, you sign Oda Rizzi or whatever, and he's a, you know, a three-and-a-half win pitcher, and he's a number three, and then all of a sudden you have, oh, no, we have to try and find some way to use Justice Sheffield or Justin Dunn out of the bullpen or trade them. Yeah, that, that would be awful. I mean, so, so yeah. I mean, starting pit, you, you have to add a starter this year. I, I think that's my have to. Um, and it has to be more than the, you know, more than the minor league Marco Estrada types. Yeah, and I think eventually the, the market will come to them uh, this yeah. year. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of names in, in free agency. And you got to assume that, uh, at least some of the uh, you know higher uh, or upper echelon of teams are gonna look at, the, at trades for starting pitching rather than free agency and doling out a whole lot of money, especially the teams that are getting closer to the luxury tax and everything. So, 
that we don't know if a Zach Gallon trade is going to happen. Yeah. Um, that took us all by surprise. And I think that, you know, that was the type of deal that came forward for the Mariners. I think they consider it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get a Zach Gallon type for Evan White. Then, yeah, then all of a sudden first base becomes really important. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll have a lot more of this, guys, um, going into the season. Right now, I'm looking at my uh, offseason target list. I have 35 names via trade. Um, a lot of them are starting pitchers, um, and we didn't even really discuss any of them in that conversation. But we'll wait and see how things play out. Um, obviously, when we get into September, we'll kind of start getting a little deeper dive. And then once the regular season is over, uh, this podcast will primarily become offseason uh, central uh, with rumors and ideas and opportunities and uh, much more specific uh, breakdown of individual uh, options. So um, we're, we're coming up on it, guys. Uh, September is going to be fun. A lot of new faces. Um, and then obviously October, November, December, January. Whew. <laughs> it's going to be a busy it's going to be a busy winter. I can feel it. So yeah. Uh, Anyways, uh, Ty, I think it's going to wrap up everything here. Uh, do you have anything you want to say before we sign out? Um, whoever that guy was, I don't, I don't remember his name, uh, but that Yankees fan that was harassing me with his garbage, his goofiness, saying using game ERA as a as a point of argument. Uh, yeah, that guy. Is, don't be that guy uh, if you. Uh, that that's not even worth a block, you know. Like I said, it, I I didn't even block him because honestly, the stupidity is just too entertaining. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you want to make my day better, thanks. Uh, I appreciate that, but um, yeah, don't be that guy. Don't don't be that stupid, please. If you want to talk baseball, it's just it's not that hard. It's not that hard to to develop a better argument than that one. Uh, when talking baseball, it's just wow. I'm I'm just very surprised by some people who root for some of the best organizations in baseball. You think that they would um, understand baseball a little bit better, but you yeah. know, they never have to. They just they just see their team win, and they just assume that they're just you know it just happens out of thin air. Yep. Um, that's fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm never surprised by the stupidity on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, speaking of Twitter, you guys should follow us uh, on Twitter <laughs> at Soto Mojo FS. We occasionally tweet stupid things, but mostly we think we, we do okay. Um, so, yeah, make sure you give us a follow at Soto Mojo FS. Make sure you visit the website, sotomojo.com. Uh, beginning in September, pretty early on, we're going to start looking at uh, position groups and free agency um, and how it affects the Mariners on the trade market and the free agent market as well. So that's going to be September. And then obviously again, once again, uh, October rolls around, we kind of dive headfirst into the uh, off season rumor pool. And that's when you'll start getting profiles on, you know, Zach wheelers and Alex Wood and Justin smoke and all that stuff. And as well as, you know, trade ideas, this guy's available, this guy's not available, et cetera, et cetera. So that'll be a big chunk of our winter. And that begins in October. Um, also, if you are working in the Mariners organization and held any sort of power, not like you're listening at this point, please call up Donnie Walton, you cowards. <laughs> Just do it. Cowards. Guys, he's, he's good. He's good. He's having a great year. Call him up. He deserves I'm it. Still, I'm still waiting for Daniel Vogelback to pitch. So, um, yeah, I will do take, that as well. <laughs> I will take either. 
Um, I would prefer both, but I'll take either. Um, so anyways, again, once again, guys, make sure you visit the website, sotomojo.com for all your Mariners content. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at sotomojofs, and make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any new episodes. And if you guys want to give us a review, uh, we would surely appreciate a five-star review, but, uh, you know, we'll take what we can get. So, uh, thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you in another life. Peace out. Peace.